You may have a seat. As a kid, I absolutely loved Easter. Now, I'm going to tell you why I loved Easter as a kid. One reason I loved Easter was because of candy. Any other adults join me in that one? Okay, some of you are lying. Come the whole middle section. None of you enjoyed candy as a kid, adults, right? Okay, there's a few of you. Now, it's funny, if you were, my mom was here and talked to her, she would swear up and down my favorite candy was the, the, the Peeps, uh, you know, the little the marshmallows. I don't like those. I don't know what she was thinking. My favorite uh, Easter candy was the hollow chocolate bunny. Anybody else love the hollow chocolate bunny? Anybody else? Any adults loved the hollow chocolate bunny? All right, Joe, this is for you. Okay, so this is just for you. Now, you're going to catch this so I don't I'll hurt anybody. Okay, here we go. You just give it to Joe if you want. All right, so there you go. And this you want to eat. So that was my favorite candy. I mean, I loved it. Now, another reason I liked Easter was because of the Easter egg hunts. When I was a kid, I have a large family. We'd always hunt Easter eggs. And so our Easter eggs were different than the normal Easter eggs because some of them had money in it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so we would run around crazy and we wouldn't just pick the, 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 the egg up. We would shake it. And if it had nothing in it, we were like trying to divert and let other people get it. So we're throwing it at them because I wasn't the one with money in it, right? Another reason I loved Easter is because I, when I was a kid, I loved to dress up. And I think we might even have a picture of that. Do we have that, Thomas, that picture? Yeah, right there. I don't know if you can see that very well. Obviously, I'm the one not in the dress. Um, that's my twin sister. And my, uh, let's put that back up there, Thomas. We'll just leave it there for a second. My grandma actually made uh, those seats. I look pretty good in a leisure suit, don't you think? Uh, it didn't fit me today. I would have wore it. But anyway, so when I was a kid, my grandma always made uh, our Easter outfits, my brother, my sister, and I. And so I loved to dress up. Another reason that I loved Easter growing up was it was the one holiday year we spent time with family. I mean, we would all get together. We would all go do something that we take for granted today. We'd all go out and eat together, which was like a luxury back in the day. And we would just spend time together. And so I have so many. Okay, you can get rid of it now, Tom, but that's great. So, so I have so many good memories of Easter. But here's what I'm going to say about all that. All that's great. The candy was great. The egg hunting was great. The family time was great. The dressing up was great. But at the end of the day, that's not what makes Easter so important, is it? It's not what makes Easter important at all. And many of you have those same memories. You can celebrate and go, man, I spent time with my family. It's great. We had Easter egg hunts, especially if you've got kids and they get to hunt Easter eggs and you've got all these great memories. But at the end of the day, that's not what makes Easter so important. So for a few minutes today, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about what is Easter really all about? And secondly, and most importantly, why in the world should that matter to you? Why in the world should it matter to you? So as we think about, first of all, what Easter is about, and you may have this in your listening guide, I'd encourage you to write this down. First of all, Easter isn't about an event. Easter isn't about an event. In fact, I'm not going to reread what I read a while ago because I read it with the kids, Matthew chapter 28, and read about how the ladies went to the tomb and they found out this angel sitting on the stone and said, we know that you've come seeking Jesus, but he's not here. He is risen. Easter is about an event. It's not just a mild event. It's just not a nominal event. It's the most important event in all of history especially if you're a Christian. It's the most important event. Now, as we look at this event, here's what I want you to think about for a moment. At the center of this event is a man, and that man is Jesus. Now, let me talk a little bit about Jesus for just a moment, because Jesus was not any man, right? Jesus was a miracle worker. 
Jesus did things. He performed miracles that blew people's minds. When he touched the leopard, people couldn't believe it. When he raised the dead, people were blown away with it. I mean, Jesus was a miracle worker. And every time he performed miracles, we see over and over again in the Bible that people were just blown away with what he did. But he wasn't just a miracle worker. Do you know that Jesus also showed compassion to the people that the world had ostracized? Jesus was one of the first people to show compassion to the people that the world had marginalized. Jesus was always going to the outcast, showing them love and concern. That's who he was. But not only did Jesus show compassion, Jesus also taught what God really wants us to know. He really taught what it means to live and to love God. And Jesus said some things, quite honestly, as a pastor, I've said this before if you've been here, quite honestly, some things he said doesn't always settle well with me. Especially when he says stuff like this, hey, love your enemies. Well, that's not very much fun. We'd rather sock them, not love them, right? Or pray for those who persecute you. Or, hey, guess what? Turn the other cheek. How many of you are pumped about that one, right? Now, here's the thing. Jesus taught us exactly what God wanted us to know. He taught us what it meant to live life. But here's the thing that makes Jesus so unique. It's not just that he was a miracle worker, not that he just had compassion, not that he was just a great teacher, but what makes Jesus unique is this, is that Jesus was not just a man. He was God. He was God in the flesh. He came from heaven and lived a sinless life, and he died on a cross. That's who Jesus was. And so when we think about Easter, I don't want us to miss this, that the very center of this event is a man. And not just any man. He's God-man. He's God in the flesh. The Son of God. Fully man. Fully God. He's at the center of the event. That when we, so when we look at the event, we come to this conclusion. This event that we just read about a while ago with the kids, this event is the foundation of Christianity. There are a lot of people that will say, well, the foundation of Christianity should be the teachings of Jesus because what Jesus taught was so revolutionary. And you'd be right. They are revolutionary things that Jesus taught. But at the end of the day, it is not the foundation of the Christianity. It's not the cornerstone of our faith. What Jesus taught is unparalleled by anybody else. What he taught is powerful and authoritative, but it is not the foundation of Christianity because guess what? There are tons of other religions in the world today. Did you know that? In case you didn't know it, there are. And every religion in the world today, guess what they have? Someone who teaches their set of moral values. Right? Every religion in the world has that. So what the foundation of Christianity is not the teachings of Jesus. While they're essential to our faith, they are not the foundation. Someone say, okay, well, maybe it's the miracles he did. So if the miracles were so awesome and amazing, maybe that's what sets them apart. And maybe that's the foundation of our faith. That's the foundation of Christianity. Well, listen, the miracles obviously are essential to Christianity because they prove that he's God. I mean, who could do what Jesus did, right? Who could walk on water? Anybody want to try that one out? I mean, none of us can, right? Yeah, something trends like, yeah, I'll try that out. Well, it's not going to happen for you, man, all right? So, I mean, I mean, you look at the miracles and you say, well, maybe that's, maybe that's the foundation. Well, guess what? Every other religion in the world have people who claim to have leaders and teachers who perform miracles. And while miracles is essential to our faith because it reminds us of the power and the authority of Jesus, it's not the foundation. It's not the cornerstone of Christianity. Someone say, okay, well, maybe it's the death of Jesus. You know, Friday, many churches met across this globe and they got together and they celebrated the death of our Savior. 
Maybe it's the death of Jesus that is the foundation and the cornerstone. Well, listen to me. The thing about the death of Jesus is it is essential to our faith. Amen? Amen. You're not convinced. It's essential to our faith. Amen? Amen. It is is essential to our faith. But guess what? It is not the cornerstone of our faith. It is not the foundation of Christianity. Because guess what? Every other religion in the world had a leader. And that leader taught a moral lesson. Sometimes claimed to perform miracles. And guess what? Every other leader of every religion in the world, they all died for their cause. Do you know that? So what is the foundation of Christianity? It's an event. And here's the event. Jesus rose from the grave. That is the foundation. Without Jesus rising from the grave, there's no reason for us to be here today. There's no reason to have church. If Jesus had not come back from the dead, guess what? He would have been a liar at best. He would have been a lunatic at best. But the essential foundation, the cornerstone of our faith is that Jesus came back from the dead. That is the foundation of our faith. Now, as you think about that, you need to know this, that this event, the resurrection, the fact that Jesus came back from the dead, it launched a movement. Now listen, it wasn't the teachings of Jesus that launched a movement. It wasn't the miracles of Jesus that launched a movement. Listen to me, please hear this. It was the fact that people saw a dead man walking that launched a movement right? It's the fact that people saw a man die and he came back to life and they go, I'm on his team. I'm with him, right? Now listen to me. When you think about Easter, before we get to the most important question, please don't miss this. When you think about Easter, here's what you need to think about. Easter surrounds itself in the middle of this event. The sin of this event is a man, not just any man. He is God-man. And he loved us, and he came, and he performed many miracles, and did many teachings. But at the end of the day, he died on a cross. But that wasn't the end of his story. Three days later, he rose again, and that is the foundation. That is the cornerstone of our faith. And the fact that he came back from the dead launched a movement. Listen to me. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people uprooted their families and uprooted their lives, and they joined that movement. Did you know that? Here's the point. Easter changes everything. It does. Easter, the event of Easter, the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. The Roman world, it turned it upside down. I mean, it was, it was crazy after all this happened. But can I tell you more, more, the more important part of that is that no one need to turn the world upside down. The resurrection of Jesus turns our lives upside down. Here's why. Because all of us are sinners. And all of us are separated from God. And because Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he was God, not a liar, we now can experience forgiveness for our sin and receive eternal life with him. Isn't that good news? Amen? So here's the question I want to end with. And where I want to get to the passage is this. Why in the world does this matter to you? Why in the world is this important to you? If you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 16, I want to read a few verses today. Now, as you leave today, if you don't have a Bible, on that back table as you exit, we have a Bible for you. We just love to give it to you. You can take it home with you. You don't have to ask anybody. Just take it with you. It's our gift to you. But if you have a Bible, I want you to join me in Matthew chapter 16, and I want to read just four verses. Just listen to this as I read it. It says this in verse 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the, the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. 
And others say Jeremiah or just one of the prophets. And then he said this, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. Now, this passage, I want you to be aware, this passage happens prior to Jesus' death and resurrection. But Jesus asked the disciples two questions that are crucial, two questions that give insight into their heart of where they're at. Now, here we are. We're going to look at this question differently. We're looking at this question post-resurrection. We're looking at this questions after Jesus died over 2,000 years ago, after he was resurrected over 2,000 years ago. But I think the questions that Jesus asked the disciples is the same question that we need to answer today. It's as powerful today as it was when Jesus spoke it back then. Two questions I want you to know. The first one's in verse 13. Jesus says this, who do men say that I am? So the disciples have been following Jesus. They've been out on the streets. They've been doing what Jesus told them to do. And there's a point where Jesus calls them aside and he asks a very simple question. Who do people say that I am? In other words, what's the word on the street? When you go out there and you're talking to people and you're around people, what are people saying about me? And here's how they respond, verse 14. They said, some said this, verse 14. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, you think about those names, and some of those names mean nothing to you. They may mean something to you. But let me tell you three things about all these men. Every single man, all three of these men were important people. All three of them were. Important in the kingdom of God, they were important people. Also, all these men had a message and a cause. Third thing, all these men, guess what? They were just men. And so when Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Here's what they tell Jesus. You know what, Jesus? Here's, here's what I'm thinking. They're saying you're pretty important. They're saying you're a man with a message and a cause. But guess what, Jesus? They're saying you're just a man. Just flesh. Now, I thought about that, and I, I want to ask this question to you, and just think about this. Who does the world that we, the world that we live in, who do they say that Jesus is? Do you think they say the same thing? That he's important? That he had a message and a cause? But at the end of the day, he was just a man? Do you think our world says that? Amen or oh me? You think it? Well, I can prove that they do. Yesterday, I was picking up those cookies, which I hope you enjoyed uh, as you came in. And as I was checking out, here was the title of Life Magazine. The Bible and 50 Most Important People. And as I was reading through this, now I didn't read the whole thing, by the way, but as I was reading through this, it lists all these people that most of us would know in Scripture and talks about what they claimed and why they were important. So I'm thinking by the time I get to Jesus, they're going to say, and this is the fulfillment. This is the guy that everybody was waiting for. This is the guy who was the Savior of the world. He wasn't just a man. He was God-man. And guess what? When I got there, what I found out is they said, he is just one among 50 who just happened to be important in all of history. One among 50. So the world we live in would say the same thing that the disciples told Jesus. The world would say that Jesus is just probably an important figure. Because let's be honest, there are billions of Christians in the world today, so you have to be kind of important for that to happen. The world would say, you know, maybe he's not just important, but, but he had a message and a cause. And at the end of the day, I think the world would say this, he is just a man. And then Jesus does something very powerful that I want you to think about me just for a moment. He turns the question. And the very next verse, verse 15, he says this, not who does the world say that I am, but he looks at them and he says this, but who do you 
say that I am. Now follow me just for a moment. It went from a corporate, who does everybody say that I am, to a very personal, but who do you say that I am? Now who does your mom say that I am? Now who does your dad say that I am? Now who does your grandparents say that I am? Now who does your spouse say that I am? But who do you say that I am? In light of everything you've heard the world say, what is your conclusion? We live in a world that says I'm important. We live in a world that says I have, a, I have a cause and a message. We live in a world that says I'm nothing more than a mere man. So at the end of the day, here's what I really want to know. Forget the world. What do you say about me? Can you imagine the conversation going from loud to all of a sudden very, very quiet? Much like the room today. In light of everything the world has said, what about you? And I think, as sure as I'm saying here today, that's a question all of us have to come to. All of us have to say, okay, based on what we read a while ago, that Jesus died, and three days later, he rose again from the grave. Now listen to me. That doesn't just happen, does it? Resurrection doesn't just happen, does it? It doesn't just happen. It is a supernatural event. So as you sit there today and you think about he died on the cross because he loves me and wouldn't take my sin away, but he rose again from the grave on the third day to prove that he was God. The question you have to answer is, who do you say that he is? Not your parents, not your grandparents, not your aunt who brought you to church as a kid all the time, not your spouse, not your kids. Who do you say that Jesus is? Peter had an answer. Let's look at the answer. Peter said this in verse 16. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, I find it interesting. Does anybody know how many disciples there were? Not a trick question. How many disciples were there? There were 12 disciples. Jesus is asking this question. How many disciples answer? I would have loved to have been in the room. I would have loved to have been there. Philip, looking at John going, I don't know, you answer him. I don't know know what to say. And Peter steps up and goes, you're the Christ. You're the son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. You are the son of God. You are the one that we're waiting for. And all the other 11 going, that's what I meant to say, right? That's that's what I was going to say. Can you imagine that moment? He says, who do you say that I am? And Peter steps up like Peter often did. He says, you're the man. You are God in the flesh. You're the savior of the world. You're the one we've been waiting for. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now I asked you a while ago, why in the world is Easter important to you? Here's why Easter is important to all of us. You ready? Because all of us must answer that question. Everybody in the room has to answer that question. One day, everybody in this room, including this rascal right here, I'm going to stand before a holy God, and I'm going to give an account. And I'm not going to be asked, you know, how much money did you give the church? That's not going to matter at that point. I'm not going to be asked how good I was and how many good things I did. I'm not going to be asked that. At the end of the day, I'm going to stand before a holy God and give an account for one question. Here's the question. Who did you say, while you lived on this earth, who did you say that Jesus was? And that answer will determine where I spend eternity. See, the reason Easter is important for you, not because you can go home and pick out on chocolate. That's not it. 
The reason Easter is important for you is not because you're going to have kids around and family around and you're going to enjoy. That's all great stuff. The reason Easter is important is because a dead man came back to life and you have to decide who do you think he is? What conclusion have you come to about Jesus? Who do you think he is? Who do you say that he is? Now, for many, many, many of us in this room, we've already made that decision, haven't we? I was nine years old. I didn't say it the way Peter said it, but at nine years old, I gave my life to Christ. And many of you in this room have already made that decision. You've already said, I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He died, he rose again, and I put my faith in that. But here's my question for those of you that are believers. Are you living like he's the Christ, the Son of the living God? When life gets hard and life gets tough, Do we live like he's in control, that he's on his throne, and that he's got my back? Do we live like that? See, when I read this book, here's what I find out. There were a group of men around the death of Jesus who were nothing more than cowards. The people who followed him and said they loved him and they were going to die for him, guess where they were to be found when he was on the cross? Only one disciple showed up, John. The rest of them were a bunch of cowards. But after the resurrection, these cowards turn into those that were courageous. At the foot of the cross and at the death of Jesus, guess what? All these people, they were scattered. All these disciples, they were just scattered. They were nowhere to be found. But after the resurrection of Jesus, that same group of people turned the world upside down, didn't they? At the cross of Jesus, there was a lot of disciples whose faith was fickle. But after the resurrection of Jesus, their faith was a total devotion to him. And I'm just saying, if the resurrection matters to us as believers, how are we doing with that? Are we really saying that he's the Christ, the Son of God? Are we living like he's the Christ, the Son of God? Are we living with courage? Are we living devoted to him? Are we living, turning our world upside down for Jesus? Or are we cowering? So if you're following Jesus, you're not off the hook today. We are not off the hook. Because if the resurrection of Jesus is the most important event in history, and it changes everything. Shouldn't it change the way we live too? Should not live with a sense of urgency? Should not live with a sense of courage? Should not live with a sense of the, my workplace, my home life? I should be turning that upside down, pointing people to Jesus. That's how they lived. That's how we should live. So for some of us who've made that decision that he's the Christ, the Son of God, how devoted are we to him? Seriously, how devoted are we to him? And then there's maybe many of you in the room today, you've never made that decision. You've never answered the question, who do you say that he is? And maybe you've never answered the question because you've never faced that moment of truth when you realized, like I was telling the kids a while ago, that we are all sinners. Every one of us in this room. We've all fallen short of what God has for us. And guess what? Because of that, we deserve eternal separation from him. And there's nothing we can do on our own to please God. There's nothing we can do on our own to earn our way that to be right in God's eyes. What we need more than anything else is a Savior. But see, that's the good news of Easter. Everybody on the count of three, I want you to say good news. One, two, three. Okay, now say it like you really think it's good. You ready? One, two, three. Good news. The good news of Easter is this, is that Jesus loved us. He came and he died for us, taking our sin and our shame, paying a debt that he did not owe and a debt that we could not pay. And he died on a cross and three days later he rose again. And for any of us that put our faith in him that he died and rose again, we will experience forgiveness for our sin and have a home in heaven for all eternity. That's good news. Amen? 
That's good news. So here's my thing. Today, you're going to be forced to make a decision. Today, you have to answer this question. Who do you say that Jesus is? One of the most famous writers in Christian world, his name is uh, C.S. Lewis. Most of you will only know him because he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, right? And so that's how you'll know him. But he also wrote a book called Mere Christianity. And in one of the writings of C.S. Lewis, he says this, and I love this because it's so relevant for us today. He said, when you come to the resurrection of Jesus, you can only come to three conclusions. He either has to be a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. And you have to decide. Is he a liar? Was he crazy, a lunatic? Or is he Lord? And so if you're a follower of Jesus today, let me just challenge you. I challenge you. Because you've claimed that he is Lord, are you living with that kind of devotion? That you're sold out for him? You're all in? And if not, this altar is going to be open. I'm going to ask you, maybe some of you want to come to the altar that are believers and just thank God for what he's done for you. Thank him for the sacrifice he gave you for dying on the cross and rising again. How much you, you just want to come and express your gratitude in private. Love for you to do that. Or maybe you need to come to this altar as a believer and go, you know what? I love Easter. But today I've been reminded that it is not just an event. It is the most important event. It changes the world and it changed my life. And may I start living like that. And maybe you need to come and confess that to the Lord and increase your devotion to him. But maybe there's some of you here today that have never answered this question. I just want to say this to you with a lot of love. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Do you know that? There's no guarantees of tomorrow. And you have to decide today to either receive him as Lord or reject him as your savior. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do with me, if you would. Would everybody stand up with me, if you would? Everybody stand up. And I'm going to ask you, every head bowed and every eye closed. I just don't want anybody looking around, because today is super important for us. Today is super important for you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. For those of you here today that are followers of Jesus, this invitation is for you too. We have a reason to sing. We have a reason to celebrate. But at the end of the day, I want us to call into question our devotion to the Lord. How devoted are we? If it really changed the world that he lived in, and it really supposedly changed my life, am I really living for him? And if not, this altar is open. I'd love for you to come pray. Come pray expressing your gratitude. Come pray giving a greater sense of devotion to the Lord. This invitation is for you, believer. But for those of you that don't know him and have never trusted him and never surrendered your life to him, but today you realize that you're ready to answer that question. I'm going to ask every head bowed and every goes, nobody looking around here because it's super important today. And you've never answered that question, but today you're ready to answer. It's as simple as just saying this and just praying this prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I deserve eternal separation from you. But I believe that you died on a cross. And I believe three days later, you rose from the grave. And today I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me my sins and be the Lord, the boss, and the master of my life. And I'm telling you, if you just prayed that, if you just cried that out to the Lord, the Bible says, all who call on the name Lord shall be saved. If you prayed that prayer, he came into your life. Your attorney has been secure and heaven is throwing a party just for you. So I'm going to ask you this with every head bowed and every eye closed, just before I pray, if you prayed that, if you're ready to answer that question and you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand and put it right back down. Nobody's looking at me. Nobody in this room is looking at me. Just put it up, 
Put it right back down. Amen. Put it up and right back down. Amen. Nobody's amen. Nobody's looking. Up, amen. Up and right down. Amen. Amen. Up and down. Nobody's looking. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. I saw it. Anybody else? Raise it up. Put it right back down. Biggest decision you've ever made. And for those of you that prayed that prayer and the seven or eight of you that just raised your hand, just listen to me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Your home is now in heaven. There's a Savior who loves you and is preparing a mansion for you, a room in his mansion just for you. Heaven is rejoicing because of the decision that you just made. So be thankful for that. Let's pray together. Father God, I love you. I thank you for what you're doing today. I thank you that Easter is not just a holiday. It is the most important event in all of history. Because you came back to life. You defeated death, hell, and the grave. And you're able to take my sin away and give me eternal life. Lord, I thank you for that. And my prayer right now is for believers. That for those of us that today maybe we just need to take a moment and express our gratitude. Maybe we need to come pray at the altar today. Maybe we need to come and we've called into question our devotion to you. And maybe we need to come today and, and recommit ourselves to being devoted, to being courageous for you, to being devoted to you, to turning our world upside down for you. God, give us as believers the strength and courage to come to this altar and get right with you. But God, I thank you for those that gave their life to you just a moment ago. They prayed that prayer. God, I know heaven is throwing a party. Heaven is rejoicing because there were seven or eight people in this room today that moved from death into life and from darkness into light, and their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And God, I love that, and I celebrate that, and I thank you for that. Thank you that you are Savior. Thank you that you take the wretched people like myself and you forgive us. There's no sin greater than your grace, and I thank you for that. God, be in this moment. For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen, amen. Now listen, just before we sing, this altar's open. Believers, it's for you. But before we, before we continue in the singing, I just want to say this. There were at least seven or eight folks that raised their hand a while ago. And they said, yes, I made that decision. And right now, will we just take a moment and let's just celebrate that with the Lord. Let's celebrate that. Amen. Here's what I want to say to you. If you were one of those people, we're not going to ask you to stand out. We're not going to call you up on stage and really freak you out. But here's what I do want to ask you to do. There's a, there's a card, a welcome card in your worship folder. Would you take it and put your name on there and say, today I gave my life to Christ? Or I'm going to be standing right here. You could just sneak up here and say, today, I said yes to Jesus. And you would say, Doug, why is that important? Because Jesus said this, if you accept me before men, I will accept you before my Father. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. It is crucial that we let the world know that we said yes to Jesus. So please put it on that card or come let me know. And if you're a believer, this invitation is open for you. This altar is open. May we celebrate and express our gratitude that he's not dead, but he is what? He is risen. Amen. Patrick, you lead us.